0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Being Patient podcast. I'm Deborah Kahn, founder of Being Patient. When my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, I decided to use my skills as a journalist in a different way. Frustrated by the lack of information on science and the inability to get different expert opinions. I decided to quit my job at the Wall Street Journal to create a better platform for people impacted by dementia. We are a community where news and information is created by our team of journalists. We ask tough questions and we simplify the science so that anyone can understand. We don't only cover disease, but delve into the latest research on what it takes to keep our brains healthy. We invite the experts and ask your Questions. Here's today's podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Being Patient Perspectives. I'm Deborah Kahn, founder of Being Patient. Um, As you know, Perspectives is our series um, talking to people who have been diagnosed with dementia, looking at the disease from their first-person perspective. So I'm very happy today to have with us Michelle Hall and her husband, Doug, um, who started this journey or actually got a diagnosis a couple years ago now um, and have joined us to share their story. Michelle and Doug, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. So, Michelle, I want to start, um, and I I like asking this question um, because I am starting to see a pattern in people's answers, but um, when did you, you know, you were an attorney, you had a pretty demanding job. Um, In hindsight, when were the first signs of maybe something was wrong, um, not necessarily at the time you went to the doctors and thought, "hmm, something is really wrong, but were there any, you know very early signs that maybe in hindsight are recognizable now?
1: Um, you know, for me, it was very, very clear because I <clears throat> I had... Um, I needed to go to a doctor's office because I'd hurt my hand. And let me hear, what else? Oh, you had to get the oh yes, I couldn't fill out a form. So when you fill out all those things, um, when you go to a doctor, you have all those. First of all, I couldn't recognize any anything. No, no words, nothing. And then uh, I tried to figure out what the problem was on my own, couldn't figure it out. Um, then at one point, uh, help me again here. Yeah, um, what happened that was really telling was I couldn't spell all of a sudden, I couldn't spell, I couldn't spell the word cup. And I tried it for like a half hour. No, none of the words made any sense. It was
0: all, it was all just a mix match. It was horrible. And I called him crying. So, so you knew what a cup was, and you knew like, so it's just you could not articulate the the like you could could you say cup? I mean, what or you just couldn't write it? No, and you looked at a cup, and you didn't know what it was. No, I kept saying, I said to my own brain, I said,
1: "What's going on here? You know how to spell?" Couldn't do it. I mean, it just everything stopped me in my tracks. Um you would think after that, that you would go and really get some help, which I didn't really do that. I thought it was something that was gonna go away on its own. I, um, I still worked, I was, I, I, for 10 years, I was at the sheriff's office. So I was working with my team, which is only two other people. And they noticed it here and there. And then further down when I would be in meetings, just the words would come out nothing nothing at all and everybody still said this is not this is something that's a fluke we'll figure it out everybody kind of took it as don't worry this will just be gone soon
0: did it did it happen like you know i'm i'm thinking of that scene from still alice when she's up at the podium and trying that's, to that was you that was me actually
1: right there just like just like that movie was And um, I was the head of FAPA, Florida Association of Police Attorneys, for the state of Florida. And I was kind of excited because it was, they kind of rotate, but it was my time and we're in this big, huge place. um, And I couldn't welcome anybody. I went, Mm. wow. I tried it again and my mouth just did not do the right thing. And so I had to have somebody come up on the stage, fill up that page, that page.
0: And it's still that one thing still bothers me. It just, I can that. imagine. I mean, it, it, it's like you're an intelligent, very educated woman. You're an attorney. Um, and I I can imagine how that, that I mean, I, I can't, but I can imagine. Doug, were you seeing any signs at home at this time? I mean, Michelle was only 53 years old um, two years ago. That's that's young, you know. I'm 53 is not when we're thinking about Alzheimer's in most cases. Didn't even know what it was.
1: I didn't know what it was. Never heard of it.
2: Yeah, we probably, like most people, know someone's grandparent and, you know, heard the words and saw the news stories from time to time, but really never dug in to really appreciate what it is or understand it. Um, and so there were some signs um, around the house, not crazy signs, but a mistaken ingredient in the recipe or a wrong amount, or um, reminding me to take out the trash one too many times, um, things like that. Um, But I I think it was probably more pronounced at her job um, and her assistance. Um, You know, being general counsel, she has a lot going on and um, has to go to court and be in meetings and um, be on calls with legislators and things like that, and and so there was some feedback from her assistants, um, and for a while they sort of helped, uh, you know, not cover up, but sort of uh, supplement her memory and her scheduling and things like that. Yeah. Um, but after a while, it became apparent that um, it was it was too much. And initially, her doctor said it's stress; it's just stress. Mm-hmm. It had a change administrations, and a new sheriff was in town, literally. um and um it was a very stressful work environment and so um they said you know get eliminate the stress so she retired and it didn't it didn't get any better it didn't really change
0: that is such a common story we hear um and i'm wondering michelle did you i mean a lot of people who we interview say it's almost like they were becoming it it, multitasking became impossible right so keeping track of something like a calendar or something did you experience that at all like could you still multitask uh no you couldn't but were you could you multitask previously and then all of a sudden you couldn't i mean yeah i was really good before i could be doing one thing over here and one thing over here
1: but Everything kind of stopped, and the, the stress was horrible. And at, looking back, I should have just given in. The the, the the new sheriff wanted different people, and you know, people said, "Don't let them get away with this. Don't let him And I, sh- I should have just said, "Okay, I, I give up."
0: That's but you st- were thinking stress was the catalyst to all of this, so. Take us, take us on, I mean, you know, m- misdiagnosis, not being diagnosed is a very common story, especially for someone your age, right? Now, I mean, most doctors wouldn't first think, oh, it's Alzheimer's, right? So tell us about a little bit about how I mean, you know, a lot of people say it's a very long journey to diagnosis, right? Um how did it happen for you? How did you get diagnosed? Well, before I'm going to back up a little bit.
1: We went to a, a neurologist in our town, and um, he said, you know, he would we'd look at the scan, we'd see what it looked like. He actually showed us scan by scan by scan, each one. And at the end, he said, "You're you're lucky. It's it's Christmas. Have a great time. You're you're done. There's no problem at all." I mean we kept saying are you sure
0: he said yes 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 and it was what, just, what wait let me just interrupt you there what test did he give you to determine nothing was wrong pet, pet scan i think pet scan pet scan so you okay so you had a pet scan and they didn't find any plaque obviously or that because they when you get a pet at all and he
1: said have a good merry christmas and that's when we turned around and left
2: she had both an mri she had um, a psychological evaluation which showed some deficiencies in a few areas, which led to the recommendation to go see a neurologist. So we went see our local neurologist, had an MRI and a PET scan, and he looked at both those and said, um, There's no sign of dementia whatsoever in any of these scans. So you don't have Alzheimer's, you don't have dementia. Congratulations. Go back and talk to your doctor about stress, the medications you're on, menopause
1: etc
0: all that anybodys menopause for women there it's that's so common it, oh it's just menopause right so many people said too young this is gonna this is gonna go away too young too young too young and no family history it.
1: yeah yes
0: yeah. so okay so you're you're being told there's nothing wrong you're fine you know go home live your life and then what
1: Um. excuse me what did we do after that we didn't go to
2: then we decided to just get a second opinion and um we have a family member lives in minnesota and he said come out to the mayo clinic and so um, we looked into that and then and we didn't even realize it at the time there's a mayo clinic in florida (laughs) so um we called up there for an appointment and they said sorry we don't take your insurance we're on hmo at the time I said, okay, it's just an appointment. You know, can I self pay? They said, sure, send us $10,000. And then um, you'll be here for a couple of days of testing. We'll probably ask you for another $10,000. And then I said, yeah. okay, what kind of insurance do you take? So we ended up changing our insurance to a different kind of insurance, um, a PPO, um, yeah. just so we could go to Mayo. We went to Mayo um, and met Dr. Day, who was outstanding. Um, he looked at the same scans and said, yeah, we can't see any evidence of any kind of dementia or alzheimer's but sometimes in younger people because the brain is active it masks the tests and and the scans and you can't see it Um, and so he said let's just be sure and do a spinal tap and so they did a spinal tap and within the spinal uh, fluid there were some markers for alzheimer's and they uh, conducted the tau test um, which showed that she had the markers and indications that she was uh, a positive for alzheimer's Disease.
0: So, um, but the PET scan did not reveal, I mean, uh, if if you have tau, you probably have plaque, right? Beta amyloid plaque. Yeah. I mean, I think that that, that person was nuts.
1: I I don't, I just don't think he did the right scans. He didn't do it the right way or. The first time.
0: Yeah. And then they, so, so the confirmation of plaque or tau, obviously leads to a diagnosis. Um, so at that point when you're at Mayo, are they like, yes, this is confirmed early onset Alzheimer's or are they looking at other things? Cause there's different types of dementia. I mean, especially at your age, you know, you're young. So um, they, how- had, they had they had taken everything
1: else out. I mean, they said, we just can't find anything. So we're gonna have to do this. And, and it was very clear, it was like 90% Sure, or something, and um, that's when things got really tough, though, because that's what I had to tell Mike. You know, Doug told the kids before he took me, and I was like, "What are you all sitting here for?" What you know?
2: But but finding out, you know, that's another thing. In addition to um, how hard it was to get the um, the final confirm, the final diagnosis, the other thing that really hit home is we found out because. I got an email in the patient portal a day later. Um, we didn't know anything when we left Mayo. We knew that nothing was confirmed, which we thought was good news. Yeah. We knew good. there were symptoms consistent with different things, which we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next day, you know, you never prepared for the diagnosis, especially when it's not in the family and, and um, you've been looking for it for almost two years. I just got an email late at night that said, "You have test results," and open it up and basically get positive for Alzheimer's disease and so this was the tuesday before thanksgiving tuesday night so the next day of course i called the doctor's gone for thanksgiving um thankfully he had the nurse call back but it was just like yes she's positive and there's a number of medications she can take to help lessen the symptoms um and uh, we'll set up a video a zoom meeting with the doctor in two weeks uh, like you know we're two weeks is forever right so we're completely in shock, you know, we've been hit by a, a, yeah. a freight train. Um, so, you know, the whole process of getting a diagnosis, finding out, talking to the doctor, talking to the family was very, very traumatic. And I think we were sort of both in shock for, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months.
1: No, it was, it was. I mean, I wanted to kill myself. Yeah, I, I wanted to get out. I didn't want my kids to see me go down in a, you know, bowl of mud. And you know, I think, I mean, I think it was a really long time, but I do remember the important parts, which is when people from the Alzheimer's folks called me, and and they did. It's not what you were thinking. They called me and said, "Can we, um, can we take a picture of you?" And I thought, "Why do you want to take a picture of me?" You know. And they said, "Well." Can we take a picture of you and your dog? This is at my house. And again, I'm trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. And I don't know if you would remember this because you were gone, but um, the Alzheimer folks tried to get all these people to go in the, the. Where, remember where you put in all this, st- everybody comes in
2: the test for the conference
1: no no like when Bo when Bo was out there they wanted to see Bo because they wanted to see people like
0: me Mm -hmm. and they said play with your dog so is this the Alzheimer's Association you're talking about or the
2: yeah so this is after the diagnosis and we were in shock one of the saviors saving graces was we got connected with the Alzheimer's Association and they were fantastic and we got a lot of resources from them Uh, the people in the Florida group and now the national group that we met have been really, really helpful. They got us in some peer groups. um, And um, they also, um, you know, Michelle really wanted to find people in her situation because she thought she was the only one with early onset Alzheimer's anywhere near us. And it was very-
1: I was by myself. And then finally Bernice, I don't know if you knew who she is, but she's with the Alzheimer's Association. And she said, oh, I think there's one person. Oh no, there's two. In your
0: area, and that's Kelly Bone and Deb. Without and so that- you were connected. Okay, so this is important too. So I, I wanna I wanna go back a little bit because I think what you bring up is so important for any doctor who is is watching this. Like nobody Wants an Alzheimer's diagnosis, and it's probably one of the hardest things in the world that has ever happened to both of you as caregiver and you know partners, um, as someone diagnosed and and their partner. That that unavailability of just having someone to talk to you who knows more about this disease is so important and. To face it, we hear this over and over again, and it makes me think, why is this? Why, when you get this life-altering diagnosis, is no one available to sit down with you and, and spend the right time? And I'm not saying it happens in all cases, but it happens a lot. And I can just only imagine you know, I I mean, I wasn't present when my mom was diagnosed, but it it really was like an earthquake for our family. You know, it's like, well, well, what, what do we do next? You know? And so I just wanted to like point this out because we hear this over and over again. And I want to actually ask you this question in hindsight, what would have made that better for you? I mean, the fact that you get inside in your computer a diagnosis and then, you know, you're like, what do we do now? And who do we call? And oh, it's Thanksgiving. Our doctor's not available. What would have made that better for you?
1: I I don't know. I mean, there was no way to sugarcoat it. They had to tell me the the bad news and then then I just everybody kept saying, don't worry, it'll, it'll, yeah, well, no, there's, there's a reason to worry there. Um, I know that Mayo has just implemented a psychiatrist to help with some of that transition. I don't, we just, I just, that's the first time we've seen it until a few days ago, but finally somebody's doing that. Cause I, that's what I thought when it was done with me, I was like, well, okay nobody wants to talk to me anymore you know you felt alone
0: yes and what about you Doug I mean you're getting this diagnosis this is like so what what would have helped you
2: um it was a rough couple days because first you know it's only me and like do I tell her how do I tell her what about the kids and just um it's a lot uh, it's a lot. And, and I sort of understand now the the delay in the appointment with the doctor, because, of course, we just started re- like we would normally do. We just started researching the heck out of it and networking. And so by the time we talked to Dr. Uh, Day when he came back from vacation and, and again, I think they purposely scheduled that meeting a couple of weeks out. Yeah, um, we had, you know, 50 questions written down um, and he spent probably an hour and a half with us and he was fantastic. So I don't fault him and everyone yeah. goes on vacation it was a fault of the calendar a little bit and the nurse called back pretty quickly. But I think, you know, I like their approach now with getting a, a social worker psychiatrist involved. Um, if that was early in the process, if, we, if we'd gotten hooked up with the Alzheimer's Association earlier, that probably would have helped.
1: Yeah, um, sure.
2: But I don't think there's a lot of, of, of buffer for just that life, uh, you know, altering shock.
0: Mm-hmm. And I mean, I like what, what you said too, that, um, Michelle, that meeting other people who were in this journey is what really saved you. You know, it's like, um, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, you know, the Alzheimer's Association connected you with other people in your area. So what did that mean to you? And what did it look like to sit down and talk to someone who was already diagnosed about their experience?
1: Um, well, they have the experience, first of all. That like I didn't really understand. They know all the they know all the ups and downs. For instance, um, when we first met Kelly, and and her husband, um, she said, "You have to take a nap in the morning or in the afternoon." She said, "One or the other. You must do this." And I was like, "I'm not a napper." Oh, it changed my whole life. It made everything better. You know, it, it's. They they have the knowledge and they're wonderful and now we have done it for other people here mm-hmm. and there. Um, we were just with another couple. He was diagnosed. I don't know, Glenn.
2: A little bit before you.
1: Yeah, he's about my age, but he's. I don't. He's not in the same wave. He's kind of just having fun and not really taking it seriously right now. But but I like that we can have um, conversations over the phone. We can have conversations over Zoom. And I think that makes some people feel better, even though you're not in the room with them.
0: Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about how you're caring for yourself today. Um, you know, I I love um, I love that you know you are living life. Um, this is not you know a I mean it seems like your advocacy work means a lot to you. I know you were earlier telling me about. Um, actually taking AduHelm, which is, as we know, got off to a rocky start, the new medication um, that a lot of people can't take just because it's too expensive and not covered by insurance and, um, yet. Um, but tell us a little bit about that journey, about, you know, first, um, how did you get into advocacy? And then tell us a little bit about what you're doing for yourself to treat, you know, the disease and care for yourself
1: um well the advocacy part started again with alzheimer's people they were fabulous they um they've done it to uh i think with a lot of people um they just start with you know oh can you just write down some of your some of your information and then they you know they're good they're sneaky about it you know they get you in little by little by little and and then you realize that you know, you're going to, you're going to go talk to somebody or you're going to go to get more information or yeah, the, 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 the Alzheimer's association is amazing. I mean, I would do anything for them and, um, I, I don't have the language skills I feel like, um, which is why I usually like to have him by me. Um, but I'm getting better, (laughs) Um, So um, I think that that being able to make other people feel good, that they're not the only one. So we have this group, Kelly, me and Deb. And then in the middle of the conference from DC, um, I had seen this man, younger man, running around with his hair all wet and crazy. And I kept thinking, what is this guy and he tried to reach out and tap me at one point. Finally, he said, does anybody know Michelle Hall? I don't even know where he got my name. But he said, I said, yeah. And he goes, finally, I found one more person. And it, there, I guess there's not anybody there except for there's not another man there anyway. So he was thrilled. And now we have another little group.
0: Yeah, that's nice. Um, how did he find out about you? I don't know, but a couple of people are <laughs> looking for you and you right. white hair. <laughs> right. So Doug, we were talking earlier about Adjuhelm and everything. Could you tell us a little bit about that decision to go on Adjuhelm? Um, you know, it was obviously, it's, it's a drug that was in the news a lot, it was off to a rocky start um, with the uh, FDA approval and, and then later uh, CMS or Medi- Medicare declining um, coverage. Uh, can you tell us from your perspective, I mean, you you guys are too young for Medicare, but um, what was that like deciding to go on on this drug? And, I'm and- on Medicare. Oh, you are? Yeah, they give you all your money up
1: front, basically, don't they?
2: When you, when you um, qualify for um, Medicare, or Social Security disability, you automatically get offered Medicare medical insurance two years later.
0: Oh, so, I see. Years, I didn't know that.
2: Diagnosis, she was eligible for Medicare. So she's been on Medicare for maybe a year, um, which has been great. I mean, it's a great government program for people in our situation. And, and people are
1: waiting. I got to wait until I can get this. Yeah, it's... the
2: two year wait is a long time for, yeah. for, uh, for some people. Luckily, we didn't have a lot of medical expenses in those two years. Um, but we had you know, Dr. Day at um, the Mayo Clinic, as well as um, uh, Dr. Amanda Smith at University of South Florida, mm-hmm. as well as the Ross Camp Institute here locally. We've That's who we can sort feel. of rely on. And they all were talking about Adjahelm. It was sort of the talk of the Alzheimer's community yeah uh, for a long time and i think you know when you look at the 50 years and billions and billions of dollars of research that hasn't gotten us very far in some respects with um you know trying to cure trying to slow down the progress of alzheimer's um it's frustrating but i think in the last couple of years there's been a lot of progress and so we had been keeping tabs on agile reading a lot about it um the phase one stuff was was very positive so positive they skipped phase two, went to phase three, which coincided with the start of COVID, yeah. total disaster. You know, They stopped it early, everyone's disappointed. And then um, someone at Biogen really zeroed in on this um, um, specific data and they went to the FDA based on that. No one thought they were gonna be approved, including every doctor on their independent physician panel that voted against it and it got approved. So. Um, the minute it got approved, we had already been educating ourselves um, about it. Um, you know, the efficacy was was questionable, but had some encouraging um, data behind it. Um, the side effects: forty percent of people get brain bleeds or brain swelling, right. extremely extremely concerning and serious. But we got all the data. We talked to our medical board of three neurologists. Um, Michelle and I read everything and it's her completely her decision 100% and after looking at all the data
1: I mean that's what it comes down to there's nothing else going on yeah so it if is somebody it, later and greater
0: comes up i would jump yeah yeah. And th- this is the case. And, you know, I guess the question and just to inform our audience, you guys are really well informed on on Adjuhelm, obviously, but um, these MAB drugs, which are ma- monoclonal antibody drugs, um, work to break up the plaque in the brain. And so um, we know that they can do that. But what we don't know is does that stop Alzheimer's? So if you take away the the, the plaque, what does that mean? Right? Does that help? cognition, does that slow down the course of the disease? And that's that's the part we don't know. But as Michelle states, because there's nothing else out there, um, a lot of pharma companies are going down, down this route and getting some very encouraging data. Uh, we're waiting for Lacanamab. That's the next one um, that's up for approval. But you know, it's still kind of like the chicken and egg like scenario. It's like, okay, well, if if these, these are very effective on preventing plaque um, or actually taking away the plaque that's already there. What does that mean to the equation of the entire disease? And nobody can answer that question yet. We don't have enough data around it. Um, so, you know, there are there. I mean, I I admire people like you in the way that you know you're helping. I mean, we're gonna find out answers to those questions. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm just wondering though, since you started this drug, I, I, Doug, you said you guys haven't really noticed a change. Is that right? Or have you have no, you? It-
1: Everybody has asked me that, of course, uh, and and I I don't I don't see a change, Um, but for now I'm good. I had um, the only thing I had was I had um, a really hard hard headache, is what I'd call it, and that was a symptom that I forgot, or else I would have taken Tylenol or something. But otherwise, I've had no problems. I mean, when I'm there, so you know, I'm there what once a month. And I just watch, you know, TV, whatever TV is on. And then we go home and it's it's not a bad, it's not a bad situation until something bad
0: shows up. How, how long have you been on the drug for? How much?
2: So she um, has had eight doses, her ninth dose is Tuesday, by the way. Um, and um, the way they, it, it's once a month, it's by IV. It takes about an hour and a half. Um, and they tied her up. So the first two doses were just 10% of a full dose. Three and four were 30%, five and six were 70% and um, seven and eight are hundred percent. So number nine will be hundred percent as well. So she's only on her third full dose. Yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately, as we all know for Alzheimer's, there's not a very specific test where, you know, last year you were a six and now you're a seven and a half, congratulations. Yeah. Um, We did just come, though, from her annual appointment at at the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville. And on um, one of the tests, I think it's the CAD, I forget the acronym, um, but she just went up barely. The cognitive... um,
1: That's what you want.
2: Something To either
1: stay where you are. Yeah.
2: Yeah. She was a 3.5. She went to a 4.0 on an 18-point scale. um, And they thought that was really good. They would have expected her to go up by a point point and a half two points
1: and so maybe that's Um, that maybe that's what we're seeing but
2: yeah the very interesting thing is she had a pet scan um with contrast when she was up there and we're going to give those results in the next month or so and we're going to compare that to her scan of a year ago and see if there's a difference in in the plaque which will be very very interesting so we're looking forward to uh to seeing that but um, um you know we're hopeful that it helps in some way shape or form we're we're monitoring the news, talking to our doctors on a regular basis to see what yeah. you know, and hopefully it's sort of like the cycle of AIDS drugs, right? Every right. every every next generation is a small step forward to the point where you're at now where, you know, most people with HIV don't get AIDS anymore. So yeah. we're, we're hoping it follows that same path. But right now we're on that, you know, original crazy expensive cocktail that nobody knows what's in it, and how it's going to work. And it's so expensive and nobody wants to cover it
0: yeah and and that's the problem too right it's like you need to have extra (laughs) money in the bank in order to afford this it's not it's not available to everyone who can't right and it's also
1: people who say i want to be in a trial and take that risk yes i don't have to take that risk yes my situation
2: we couldn't be more disappointed and upset with the cms decision because here's something that could be really helpful to six and a half or maybe two million of the six and a half million people that have Alzheimer's. And, you know, the FDA, the medical arm approved it and the money people, CMS said, oh, we're not going to pay for it, which is very unusual in how the process usually goes. And um, so there's millions of people that should potentially have access to this drug that don't. So we were lucky because we got in immediately. And so now we're, we're in but no one else can get in unless you're in a trial which is 50 50 whether you get it or not for a year or 18 months at that point it might be too late for you yeah so um yeah. It, it, it's crazy we couldn't disagree more with that decision we think it's really robbing a lot of people of their chance to see if this drug you know the only one that's available now could help them yeah um and sorry yeah <laughs> I feel strongly about it
0: no but that's that's I mean you you raise really great points um and you know it's a it's what a lot of people are facing right now um the the bureaucratic nightmare of drug approvals um (laughs) it's not a it's not a kind process you know um so I I we're running out of time so I just want to wrap up here and uh you know Michelle from from your perspective you know, you, you've now been traveling on this journey for um, a couple of years now since you've had your diagnosis. Tell us a little bit about your outlook on life today.
1: Well, my outlook, my outlook on life is good. It's, you know, earlier when I was telling you what what I like to do, what I do, I got very lucky because what happened to me um, left me pretty much what I would like to be doing anyway, you know, I like to run in the preserve. I like to do this. So it's good. Now, if, if somebody works somewhere else and it's now she can't, you know, you can't do what you're supposed to do. That's a different thing. But for me, I got my money. Doug's here. I have a partner to (laughs) help me. And it's just not that bad yet. I mean, I have to put that yet when I talk to people. People all the time say, oh, I thought you had this disease, but you're fine. Right. And I have to say, I'm I am fine yeah. right now.
0: That's great. It's great to hear. And one thing I will note is I feel like the people who are doing the best are the people who have really supportive partners to to go on this journey together. Right. And I, I can tell with the two of you, this is both of your journeys. Um and so that's
1: yeah, the kids. Oh, my, our kids are really, at least they, you know, twice a week. Yeah.
0: Loves uh, to. Yeah, that completely. So thank you both so much for sharing your stories. Um, I, I really love these interviews. I think they really give a lot of people um, great information and a lot of comfort. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, we'd love to check in with you um, at a later date, but thank you for sharing your story. Sure. Thank thanks, you Sarah, very thanks much. Thanks
2: for all you do as well.
0: Thank you. So if you missed any of this interview or you want to hear more, uh, don't forget to go to beingpatient.com. Sign up for our newsletter. Uh, we tell you about upcoming t- talks that we're having there. Um, and don't forget to join our Facebook page if you haven't already. Thanks everyone for watching. Um, see you next time. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information on upcoming interviews, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at beingpatient.com. That's B E I N G P A T I E N T.com. And send us any feedback you may have, whether it's someone you want us to interview or any comment about our podcast series. You can do so by emailing info at beingpatient.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm Deborah Kahn.